You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Brad Lewis. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. He wants to be with you. And how often do we live our lives oblivious to the reality of God? And so, as a church, we're stirring up a fresh understanding of God's heart to be with you in a moment. That, that, that translates to outside of Sunday morning. That translates to outside of a church building or just the right environment. It translates to the, the coming and goings of our lives, the presence of God in a moment, in a place, in a person's life. It's my prayer for you that you'd be drawn into intimacy with the Lord. So this morning, I actually, months and months and months ago, planned out this series based on our guest this morning, Pastor Brad Lewis. He is my Chi Alpha pastor from when I was a college student at North Dakota State. He has had a regional impact in Chi Alpha and campus ministry across our region. Now dozens and dozens of leaders being launched from that, that move of God that happened, that is happening and happened at uh, the campus of North Dakota State University and Minnesota State University, Moorhead and Far- Fargo-Moorhead area. Now students are being launched out all, all across the, the, the Midwest. Uh, most of Iowa has been pioneered in Chi Alpha because of the move of God there on those campuses. So his impact has, has now been seen, uh, his, his ministry and his anointing. But personally, he has had a direct impact on my life in a really specific way. You know, we all in our walks with Jesus, we all have different individuals that, that God just blesses us with that speak into our life in, in specific seasons. Well, I was just uh, a middle schooler when my, my, my Chi Alpha pastor, so it was well before I was in college, for some reason I was on his radar and he asked me to come and spend a weekend with him working on his family farm. I thought I was just picking up an odd job to make a few extra bucks and uh, spend a weekend with a pastor whom I didn't know very well. But for him, he had a different agenda. He, said, he saw it as an opportunity to begin pouring into my life began speaking things over my life that I sure didn't see in myself. It was really the first intentional discipleship relationship that I experienced. And it just began, God, continued God's work in my life. And obviously I spent four years on the campus uh, under Brad's leadership and, and he became like a spiritual father to me. So this morning I'm so, so honored to introduce to you my Chi Alpha pastor, Brad Lewis. You know, Drew is fortunate that he lived to tell about it. It was 95 degrees, the grass was that deep, the mosquitoes were deeper, and we were fixing pasture fence so that we could move some cattle on my father's farm to a new pasture. And uh, I pernier killed him, you guys. It It was terrible, but you know, the thing is, is when we can put ourselves in proximity to influence other people, we always should. And no matter what I do in life, I like to take people with me. And I just really felt that taking Drew with me that week uh, might be something that was beneficial, and it was way more beneficial than I thought it would be. So this morning... I want to remind us 
that God has a destiny for each of us. He has a place that he wants us to step into as far as our purpose on this earth. But a prerequisite to getting to that destiny is really coming to the realization that he wants to be with us, that he wants to hang out with us, that he loves us. And see, God doesn't just want workers that love, but he wants lovers that work. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Joshua's life a little bit. We're going to settle in and open our Bibles and, and dig a little bit. And then we're going to have some takeaways for our life based on James 4.8. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. Verse 1, and I think I can get by without my glasses for now. We'll see. When you get to be my age, your arm isn't long enough anymore. You, you know, you're out here trying to see what's going on. Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses, my servant, is dead. In other words, Joshua, it is showtime in your life. This is the point that you have been preparing for your whole life. This is the time to step in to your destiny. The past is over. You're going to a whole new level. You're coming out of your comfort zone. You're going to execute my purpose for you. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads I have given to you just as I spoke to Moses. You know, this is so terribly cool. Can you imagine God saying, hey, wherever your foot goes, it's yours. You're in charge in that situation. You talk about something to excite your faith. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. God is talking to him and saying this to him. This is amazing stuff. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you may have success wherever you go. God's kind of giving him, you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of room for huge problems here. You know, it's been laid out before you. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. You step into it, and you'll be amazed at what I do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To be launched into your destiny in the way that Joshua was launched into his destiny is absolutely amazing. And first of all, in case you weren't aware of it, God has a destiny for every single one of us. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. Sometimes we can do some things that he allows, but he's always got his best, no matter what that is. And so here Joshua gets his marching orders. God is reassuring him that everything is going to be okay. And he really has, for his lifetime, the number one job on the face of the earth. Because at that time, God's priority was getting his people safely settled in the promised land and possessing the land. That was God's number one purpose because, again, if we understand the Old Testament, it is all about getting Jesus born in Bethlehem so that he can become our redeemer. You know, the whole Old Testament points to that. So the people had to end up back in the land in order for that to happen. So Joshua's really got the number one job that God has. Okay? So now, this isn't the first time in the Bible we read about Joshua. He was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent in to spy out the land. And 10 of them looked at conquering the land through the eyes of fear and said, the giants are really big. We can't do this. We shouldn't do this. And two of them looked at conquering the land through the eyes of faith and said, hey, look at that bunch of grapes. It's huge. This land truly does flow with milk and honey. We absolutely should go in and take the land. And sadly for everybody but Caleb that was alive in that generation, they believed the eyes of fear and they marched in the wilderness 
in place for 40 years. But Joshua got to take them in. And you know, this morning, I believe there's a reason why Joshua got to the spot that he was at. And so this is the really fun part. Let's turn back a couple of books to Exodus, the second book in the Bible. And I want to read to you from verses 7 through 11. Now, just to set this up, you know, we can have an experience with God's presence wherever we are because the Holy Spirit lives inside us and we can sense God and, and God is all over manifesting himself to people on this earth. But if you lived in these times, God only manifested his presence on earth one place at one time. And the place that he chose to manifest himself was the tabernacle, okay? And so Moses would go into the tabernacle to talk to God, and God's presence would come in a cloud if it was daytime. This cloud would come down from the sky and cover the tent, or it would come down as a pillar of fire if it was dark. And so the presence of God would come down and then it would lift. It would come down and then it would lift. And Moses would go in and the presence of God would come down. God would talk to Moses and then he'd go back and share with the people what God had to say. Well, we'll take a look at what happened one of those times. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he'd entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Now here comes the kicker. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So what was going on? Because... Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. He got, you know, anybody else would have tried to go in that tent. They'd have been dead, okay? But Joshua got to go and sit in God's presence in the corner when Moses was talking to God. But when Moses would go out to share what God said, Joshua so craved being in God's presence that he wouldn't leave the tent, 
he valued the presence of God. He valued relationship with God. He valued hearing God's voice. He valued sensing the peace that comes from sitting in God's presence. And guess what? So should we. And so today, if you don't necessarily understand this in your life, this will be the beginning of a new and fresh journey of learning how to have intimacy with God. So let's flip over to James 4.8. See, I love the simple promises of God, the ones that are really simple. I'm only going to focus on the front half of this verse. This is a good verse. It is among my 10 favorites, maybe, in the whole Bible, because it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Aren't you glad it doesn't say draw near to God and 80% of the time he'll draw near to you? It doesn't say draw near to God and maybe he'll draw near to you. It says absolutely for sure if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It is a 100% sure deal you got to make the first move, but if you make that move, God's coming back to respond to your move. So that means we get to decide how close we want to be to God. So people that feel far away from God or think they're far away from God, it's not God's choice, it's their choice. Because God wants to be near to you, but all he's saying, the only condition for that is you have to make the first move. But if you will make that move, he will draw near to you. Four takeaways to developing a deeper, more intimate connection with God. Number one, I must choose to be honest with God. I must choose to be honest with God. God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he does expect you to be honest. And you see, if you look at the list of some of God's friends in the Bible, Abraham bargained with God for Lot's life. Job vented a lot of frustration and bitterness to God. David wrote several psalms about how betrayed he felt and how unfair life was. God can stand the truth. And God is okay with you sharing your hurts and your pain with him and not 
just pretending that everything's fine when it's not. But you got to get it off your chest and then realize that he's going to come and deal with those things and minister those things in his time and his way. And becoming a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses, but it does mean that if we'll be honest with God, God will come and meet with us. So choosing to be honest with God is a key to developing intimate friendship with him. Number two, I must choose to obey God in faith. I must choose to obey God in faith. There's somebody in the Old Testament that obeyed God, but it wasn't in faith. Remember Balaam, the guy that rode on the talking donkey? Balak, the Moabite king, was trying to hire him, pay him a lot of money to curse Israel, curse God's people. And Balaam knew that he couldn't curse God's people, but Balaam wanted Balak's money more than he wanted to be obedient to God for the right reason. And so he never cursed God's people, but he did something just as bad. He whispered in Balak's ear and said, you know, if you will invite them to your idol feasts, and if you will intermarry with their sons and daughters, it will have the exact same effect as a curse. And so he blessed God's people, but he basically told their enemy how to destroy them. And God didn't take kindly to that, and uh, Balaam encouraged, incurred his judgment not too long after that. I mean, the donkey rescued him at that point, but he didn't get to last too long after that. But obedience to God is huge. God treasures Simple acts of obedience to small things. He really does. And one of the things that I just want to encourage you to do is, you know, if you're sitting here even in church this morning and you see somebody sitting over on the other side and you sat there and thought to yourself, you know, I should just go over and give them a hug. Chances are, since the devil doesn't want anybody to be encouraged, that's probably God giving you an opportunity to step into some obedience. And as you start doing that, God is going to give you huge things to be obedient to because if you're faithful in little things, he'll make you faithful in big things. So if we're developing intimate friendship with God, we choose to be honest with God. We choose to obey God in faith. Number three, third takeaway is we must choose to value what God values. And God values 
those people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. One of the greatest exposés of God's heart in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. Because in Luke chapter 15, there were three items of great value that were lost. There was an all-out search, and there was great rejoicing when the lost items were found. And if we just take a look at the lost sheep, it is clearly being shown to us that the lost sheep was more the focus of concern than the 99 that were in close proximity to the shepherd. This morning, as much as God loves you, and I am not minimizing that, God's heart is breaking for the empty chairs. There's people out in your community that have a chair in this church, and God wants to find them. And if God's priority is the lost, then my priority needs to be the lost. If God's priority is hurting people, then my priority needs to be hurting people. When I wake up in the morning and I'm laying there so comfortably in bed thinking, you know, I sure hate to get up. It's so nice and comfortable in here. You could just say a little prayer and say, you know what, God? I volunteer for a divine appointment today. God, please bring somebody across my path and make it obvious to me that I'm to reach out to them. And when I do, I will love them I will offer relationship with them. I will extend worth to them. And then you take it from there, Lord, and do what you want to do. But, you know, there's times we go to the grocery store and we're asleep at the switch. We go to class at the campus and we're asleep at the switch. And there might be somebody shopping right beside us or sitting beside us in class that God wants us to say, hello, what's your name? Or I sure like your dog. Or what a cute little girl you have. Just open that door and see what God does if you feel prompted. It is so much fun to follow the promptings. Our priorities need to be what God's priorities are. Fourth thing, if you're going to develop friendship with God, is you must desire friendship with God more than anything. And again, we will be as close to God as we choose to be. And it is better to ask God to give us a passion for him. You know, so many times in my life, I have realized that I don't love God as much as I should. When it comes to life, I have had a relatively easy life. 
I had great Christian parents who raised me to love and serve Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was a little kid. I had a great college experience. I've got a wonderful wife. I've had great children. I have so much to be thankful for. And you know, when your life goes that well, it's sometimes easy to take God for granted and not be as passionate for him as you should be. And since I'm aware of that, I pray over, to, over my own heart, and I say, God, I know that I don't love you as much as I should, but Lord, will you give me, will you, see, we can't change our own heart, but Lord, will you change my heart so that I can become a more valuable vessel in your hand and so that you can put the burden that you have for people that surround me on my heart, even when it would be my tendency to be complacent. You can pray over your heart like that. And again, I'm going to say them one more time if you're taking notes. The four takeaways on developing friendship with God, on drawing close to God and he'll draw near to us, is to choose to be honest with God, to be obedient to God in faith, to choose to value what God values, and to desire friendship with God more than anything. And see, if we'll do that, if we'll linger in the tent like Joshua lingered in the tent, then when the time comes for us to step into our destiny, no matter what that is, we're going to be ready. And we're going to be in that place of God being able to say, hey, every place that your foot treads has been given to you. You know, this is yours to possess. And, and maybe, maybe your promised land is you're going to be a foster parent. Maybe you're going to be a, a school teacher in a grade school. Maybe you're going to be part of the worship ministry at church. I don't know what God has for you. Some of you, God's going to call you to set your vocation aside to serve him full time in the capacity of ministry, which is what happened to me and to Drew and to our wives. But probably a lot of you, your calling from God is going to fit in nicely with your vocation. So today, I want to challenge you that God's got a plan, but the first step in stepping into that is to draw near to him so that he can draw near to you. So if I could have the musicians come back up here. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.